Morning. I think before I uh, preach this morning, it'd be really good for us to spend uh, some time praying for a team of people from Brookside who are headed to Haiti in a week, a week from today. Uh, state Parliament's leading another team again. Uh, this time it would be eight total that are going, and they're involved with a, a church plant that's brand new there, and orphanage, and really a, a whole array of different ministries. Uh, so what a, what a privilege that is as a church. So let's just let's take a minute here and, and pray for them, okay? Father, I, I do thank you for these eight people. I thank you for your grace in their lives, Father, for the love that you've given to them for the people in Haiti, and the awesome privilege that we have as a church to uh, share in something like this that, that is so important. And I, I do ask, Father, that, that your Holy Spirit would uh, guide all of them, uh, give them uh, the wisdom they need to be able to do ministry well, uh, strengthen within them your love for the people that they are going to be serving during their days there. And Father, we, do, we, pray, we pray for your protection, for, uh, that you give them the physical strength, the emotional strength and, that they need, Father, through this, through this time. And of course, we ask for your protection. And most of all, Father, we pray that your spirit would work through their lives. And we uh, praise you for this and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm privileged to uh, be married to a wonderful woman by the name of Becky, and Becky and I uh, met each other in our third year of college back in 1972. I should have, have people raise hands to see who was here in 1972. Probably not too many of us, but, um, but anyway, uh, I met Becky in library uh, the uh, second week in January, 1972, we met at the beginning of the week, Monday or Tuesday, and then we saw each other again on, on Thursday at, at a college group, InterVarsity, uh, that we were both part of, and I was already, you know, making plans from the day I met her in the library, so we, I asked her if I could walk her home, and I asked her for a date, and... She was open Friday night, so we went out. Friday night, I came home from that like, whoa, you know, like totally blown away. What do we have here, you know? Uh, God is good. And uh, I, uh, I, I wanted Becky to go out with me Saturday night, but she already had a, a date with some, some jerk. And, um, <laughs> but anyway, that's not good. I should never use that word. That's not a good word to not an, you. Know, not up to me, okay? He wasn't as good as me, kind of a guy. <laughs> All right. So, but anyway, uh, she did go to church with me on Sunday. And we were, believe it or not, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. We were pretty much together at some point every day from that point on to the end of the year. And honestly, that after the first week of knowing Becky, I was convinced that she was God's answer to my prayer for who I should marry. And so, uh, April 18. I proposed to her, uh, same year, we're still talking 1972, and uh, what I did was I surprised her with a, I mean, just blew her away, surprised her with a trip to Paris where I proposed to her by the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. She, I am so romantic, it was just <laughs> awesome. 
Actually, it was in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and it was in, a, in an Italian restaurant, which was a bit of an oxymoron, you know, an Italian restaurant in Fargo, North Dakota. But our, our, our initial plan, yeah, 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 I, I keep forgetting. Yeah, you know, when, when I brought that picture to Chris Gilley and see if we could put it up on power, you know what he said? He said, well, Becky really looks great. Um, I don't know, I kind of like my glasses, you know, they're cool. And, uh, hair, I mean, man. Ugh, bad. Okay, so anyway, our plan was to get married in June of the following year, but anybody ever been in Minnesota in the winter? It's real cold. And so we thought, you know what, let's do as much winter together as we possibly can. And so we, we moved the wedding up as soon as we, as we could, and we got, so we got married on December 22nd, 1972. And now here we are, 40 years later. Uh, and 40 years of, we would both say, an absolutely wonderful marriage. We're just so grateful to God. I mean, it's just, it's abs, I mean, it's great. Just love it. Um, we're both more in love with each other now than, yeah, no, that, that thanks. Well, thanks, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, how does something like that happen? And you now you can have two people living together for 40 years and, and, and it's better and we love each other more now than the day we got married. How, how is something like that possible? Well, you know, I thought about it and I guess Becky just married right. You know, um, no, seriously. Is it because either, you know, one or both of us are these, you know, wonderfully great people? Is it, is it because that we have few, if any, imperfections or, or weaknesses? Is it because we've never run into any problems or, or made any mistakes in, in, in our relationship? Absolutely not. No to all three. So what is it? What would, what would Becky and I say is the single most important thing, the single most important reason that our marriage just keeps getting better? Why would we say that? We talked about it, and, and without question, we'd say it's our, our commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, as Lord of our life. Now, I know when I say that, that, that some of you might be sitting out here today and and you've come here this morning and you're, you're, in a, you're in a tough marriage. You're in a hard situation. You might, you might be saying, you know, you, Steve, are, are you telling me, are you actually saying, I mean, that if, 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 if we as a couple focus on Jesus Christ, if we make Jesus Christ the first in our lives, the center of our marriage, that our marriage is going to be better than it is today? I mean, Steve, we, we argued all the way here today, or we had a huge fight yesterday, and you're saying... It can get better. I'm saying absolutely. I'm 100% confident that it will. And, 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 and here's one of those times that I can stand up here and I can say something like that to you because Becky and I have experienced this for 40 years. And so I can tell you, we, I have 40 years of proof that can be that way. I also have 36 years of counseling with couples as, as a pastor. 36 years of doing that, and, and those 36 years have confirmed what I'm saying. In fact, I'm, <laughs> I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm excited and couldn't wait to be able to share 
today's sermon with you. In fact, you know, the truth is, is we can all be here today and we, can, we, we could all be here today and have absolutely awesome marriages. And I can tell you today that if we do, if we do this thing of, of allowing Jesus Christ to be Lord of our lives, we can take our marriage even to the next level. They can just keep getting better. I don't care how many years you've been married and how good it is. Richard Hess was our pastor in college, the church we went to, and he performed our wedding. He's still a very good friend. He's, uh, he's now in his 90s. He actually went to the same church that our son Greg went to in, in Minneapolis, and, and, and Dick was at Greg's funeral service last year. So he means a lot to Becky and I. Now, you're not going to believe this, but we, all, we only had one premarital session with Dick. We met with him once. That's all we had. But you know what? In that one time that we met with him, he shared with us, he, he said something to us that was, was absolutely, I mean, it, it just makes all the difference. It made, it's made all the difference in, in our relationship as husband and wife. And we've never forgotten it. In fact, when you see me write this down, it's, like, it's not rocket science. It's, it's very basic. It's very simple. But I got to tell you, it is, it, I, I am absolutely convinced it's the most profound thing that any one of us. I could almost stop the sermon right here and, and go home. And here's, here's what he did. He took a piece of paper and he drew a triangle like this. And he wrote Jesus, Jesus Christ at the top. And he guesses what he wrote in this corner and this corner. He wrote my name and he wrote Becky's name. And he said to us, he said, listen, Stephen, Becky, listen, listen to me carefully. He said, put above every other priority that you have in your life, even more than, than your love for each other. He said, love Jesus Christ. Love Jesus Christ. Put him front and center in your life. And, and, then, he, and then he said this, and I've never forgotten this. Beck and I have talked about this many times. He said, if you, if you do this, he said, you're going to find that the closer you two get to Jesus Christ, the closer you will come to each other. That's just so simple, but so true. So true. It's made all the difference. And it's consistent with the context in which Paul wrote what he did in the two verses that Melissa read today. For us today, the two verses about marriage. See, the book of Colossians drives home the truth that because Jesus Christ is supreme over creation, because he's our risen Savior, because Jesus Christ has absolute sufficiency for everything that you and I need in our lives, Jesus Christ alone is worthy to be Lord of our lives, to be Lord. And if we follow that and <laughs> These two words, these two verses, these two imperatives, these two commands. If we, if we follow those commands for marriage, commands that provide for us clarity on how to relate to each other as husbands and wives, if we follow those, you and I are truly going to be able to maximize our marriages, not only for ourselves personally as husbands and wives, but, but for everybody around us, especially those who are the closest to us, you know, our children. 
And even more important than that, we're going to be able to bring honor to Jesus Christ. See, everybody, I'm, I'm, I am 100% convinced that it makes all the difference to see that, that our marriage isn't first and foremost about what it does for us. First and foremost, it's how our marriage honors God. And, and, and it's about what our marriage can do to strengthen the world in which we live, to strengthen our nation. And it's, it's about what our, our marriage does for the good of those who round us, beginning with those who are the closest to us, our children. Tim and Kathy and, and his wife Kathy, Tim Keller and his wife Kathy, uh, have written, I think, really just an absolutely great book on marriage. I highly recommend it. The title of the book is The Meaning of, of Marriage. The Meaning of Marriage. It's, it's fairly new. And they have a section in this book where they write about the shift in people's thinking about the purpose of marriage, where, where many people today in America would disagree with what I, with what I, just, I just said. And they, they write this in... in one of the chapters they talk about this, and here, here's one of the things they wrote. They, they said, in this view, the view people have of marriage today, married persons marry for themselves. Not to fulfill responsibilities to God or society. And, and then they write this, it, this, this view of marriage, privatized marriage, taking it out of, the, out of the public sphere and redefined its purpose as individual gratification not any, not, not any broader good such as reflecting God's nature in producing character or raising children. The Keller's quote from an article in the New York Times entitled, The Happy Marriage is the Me Marriage. The Happy Marriage is the Me Marriage. Where the writer of this article points out that marriage used to be a public institution for the common good, but, but now it's a private arrangement for the satisfaction of the individuals in it. And the person who wrote this article, and they believe this, they think it's right, they said the, the, the purpose of marriage is, has, has really moved so far in people's thinking that it's not even about us anymore. It's not, it's not about us as a couple that people go into marriage. It's, it's about me. It's all about me. It's about what it does for me. This morning, I'd like us to see that Scripture points us to the opposite, the very opposite. It points us to marriage that is not self-serving, but God-honoring and, and committed to serving the person we're married to and committed together as a couple to serve other people. You see, see everybody... I care so much for every single one of you today. And everything in me, as I thought about doing this sermon today, everything in me wants you to experience the joy that, come, that can come from a marriage that, that is guided by the wisdom of God and not guided by the prevailing wisdom of the world in which we live, which I don't know if you've noticed, but the wisdom of this world is always changing. <laughs> always changing. So let's look at this, maximizing marriage with submission and with love. And again, the, 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 the two statements that, that uh, Paul made and Melissa uh, read for us, verse 18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, and husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
<laughs> last Sunday, what a beautiful day last Sunday. I don't know if you remember last Sunday. It was just a gorgeous day. And Beck and I, toward the end of the afternoon, spent some time outside on our deck just reading. You know, I was reading my stuff and, and, and Beck her book. And, 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 and I had today's sermon on my mind. And so I began asking Becky some questions about our marriage. And, and one of the things that we talked about was how we live out these two verses. And, and, and it struck us that there was never a time where, where either one of us pointed out to the other person what their role was. And there, there was never a time where, where I, you know, I got my big Bible and, and I took Becky over to verse 18 and I said, See, Becky, this is what you're, gonna be, you're supposed to be doing. Now, parentheses, i got to say that wouldn't have gone off, you know, too well anyway but any but but and 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 Becky never took me to verse 19 and said well Steve look at verse 19 this is what you're supposed to do we never did that with each other we never did we just did it we did it because of our submission to Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. We did it because we believed what Dick has said, that Jesus Christ should be at the top of the triangle of, of our life. We, we believed that, and so we did it. But, you know, we also talked about, we also talked about what it was that gave us the confidence to continue doing this once we did it. I mean, wouldn't you agree with me? I mean, it's a pretty vulnerable thing when you, you put yourself out there and you start doing either one of, you know, what's written here. I mean, you become vulnerable when you do that. So, so what is it? What, what, what was it that gave us the confidence to, to, once we did it, to keep on doing it? And... And Becky came up with a word, and I think she's absolutely right. In fact, you got to know, Becky was, Becky's in writing, she's in with me in writing this sermon today, okay? So she's talking as much as I'm talking. I think she nailed it. She came up with a word. We really believe that the key word in our marriage is the word trust. It's the word trust. First of all, trust in our, our, our trust in the truth of God's word, our trust in God, including these two verses. Because, because you know what? What Paul writes in these two verses is not intuitive. It, it, it doesn't come naturally. If anything, it's the opposite. It, it's an easy thing to resist what Paul writes in these two verses. So first of all, our trust in, in God and our trust in the truth of God's word. And second, our trust in each other. Boy, Becky nailed this one, too. She said, you know, Steve, not blind trust. Not blind trust. Not trust where there's no good reason to trust. But we're talking over here about discerning trust. And trust where we, where we choose to, to contribute each day toward building a, a trusting relationship. We, Becky said, you know, Steve, you and I, we chose to be trustworthy people. So we could be trusted. The more I thought about this, the more convinced I began, uh, became that this is, today's, that this is the word for today's equation. Okay? And what we're going to talk about in these next few minutes. Trust is what makes it possible to go from having a, uh, you know, live in a me marriage. Because <laughs> that's what you do if you don't trust. You live a me marriage. 
and instead live what I'd like to call a max marriage, a, a marriage that maximizes its ability to be what God designed marriage to be. And so here's the equation that I'm going to put in front of us today, and I'll just, I'll just write it here. Jesus Christ, okay, and, and, that's the symbol for the word and, and trust, okay, Jesus Christ in trust, what it does is it leads to, that's the symbol for leads to, it leads to a max, and then in parentheses, I've got marriage. Leads to a, a, a marriage that maximizes everything that God designed marriage to be. It's, it's Jesus Christ, and it's trusting in God. It's trusting in God's word, and it's also trusting in each other and being the kind of people that can be trusted. Can be trusted. All right. That's what we're going to talk about. Before I say anything else, okay, I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. I want to emphasize that Becky and I are far from perfect people, okay? I mean, we each have had our times when we didn't do this well. And as, as, as much as anyone, we've had to work on this wonderful thing of marriage. Perhaps a better way to say it is we had to be intentional about what we do and what we don't do. By the way, that word work, that word work, i got to tell you a little story here. Back in Wisconsin, our first church, I did, our first, I did my very first sermon on marriage which is really kind of a funny thing. Like I was 25 years old and I'm talking to people who are almost, you know, older than me and I'm talking about marriage. Thank God for God's word, right? So I did this sermon on marriage and I, uh, uh, we had two services in this little church and, 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 and uh, for whatever reason, Beck had gone home, home, you'd come to first service and gone home earlier before me and, and so I'm driving home after preaching that sermon. I come into the house and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Now I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I thought I did pretty good with that sermon on marriage. And only to find out that Becky wasn't feeling quite as good. And you know why? Because I use that word work to describe our relationship, that we, you know, we're working at our marriage. Boy, I tell you what, Becky is this, this wonderful romantic. And work? How can you use work? And, you know, in the same same breath with marriage. And, and, and so I was like, okay, I will never say that word again, you know. And, but you know what, Beck and I were, were talking about this last, this last week on Wednesday. And she started laughing and she said, you know what, Steve? I agree with you using that word work. <laughs> it is work. I tell you that because I'm not someone up here who's got it all together, okay? I can be a piece of work. I really can. And, 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 and Becky, if she were standing up here with me, she'd say exactly the same thing about herself. We can both be a piece of work. 
The other thing here is you might be here this morning and you're in a, you're in a, you're in a very tough marriage and, and, and you're wondering if it's too late for you to have a good and a healthy marriage, the kind of marriage that I'm talking about that Beck and I have. And I want to assure you today that nothing is impossible with Christ. In fact, in fact, I'm convinced that if you begin doing for each other what these two verses talk about, what Paul points us to, if you both start doing this, you're going to love each other more than you ever have loved each other before. You're just going to fall in love all over again. You might be here today and, and you've gone through a divorce. And, oh, and I, boy, I want to tell you, I, 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 I am preaching this sermon with my heart caring for you and what you've gone through and, and where you're today. And, and I just want to, I want to assure you that the truth of what I talk about today and, and God's grace and, and all that what God can do, the sufficiency of God, that's yours as much as it is anybody's. It might be that you're, you're, you're here today and you're single and you're not thinking about marriage. And you might be saying to yourself, you know what, I... I think this sermon I'll check out on. You know, I can, I can do some stuff on my phone. <laughs> and I would just say, no, don't do that, okay? Because what we're going to discover, and what, I, I think you agree with me after you, after you hear this, you know what? What Paul is talking about here in the setting of marriage applies to almost every context of life. Where, you see, he's talking about servanthood. And the truth is, everybody, you can't lead well unless you're a servant, and you can't follow well unless you're a servant. Okay. Let's look at this. Maximizing, first of all, to wives. Paul speaks to wives, and he made that statement in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wouldn't you all agree with me that word submit comes with some baggage? It really does, right? It comes with baggage because it's been misunderstood, it's been misused, it's been distorted to, into something that it's not. And, and so what I'm going to ask you to do for these next few minutes is, is just try to put that baggage aside and, 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 and let's just see how, how submission can be an absolutely wonderful thing for everybody involved. The first thing to remember as we talk about this is what we've talked about. Paul wrote this in the context of both husband and wife living for Christ. Both husband and wife putting Jesus Christ at the top of the triangle of their life. And Paul also wrote this in the context of where, where he was talking about living the kind of life that is described in, in, in words that are found in verse 12, what Jeff preached about last Sunday. Words like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. I mean, you put those words into the mix of marriage and you're never going to have somebody abusing their wives submitting to them. You never have to worry you're going to get into a, a relationship where you're, you as a wife are set up for a miserable life with, with, <clears throat> with, <clears throat> with some kind of, of a tyrant as a, as a husband. <clears throat> the second thing we got to know about this thing of submission is that it has nothing to do with inequality. Okay? Here's where comparing Scripture with Scripture is so valuable. This, 
this one verse statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul said, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Now, so what we see here is that God the Father is the head of God the Son, but, but that doesn't mean that Jesus Christ is, is not equal to his Father. It doesn't mean he's any less God. So it's, it's got nothing, submission has nothing to do with somebody being less equal than the other person. It just simply has to do with submission to the authority, the headship of your husband. The third thing we all got to understand is <clears throat> the reason to do this isn't because your husband is exactly what you'd hoped him to be. Or you say to yourself, well, yeah, I'll submit to him when he gets his act together. That's not what it says here, right? It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You, you, you do it because it's the right thing to do. That's the reason you do it. You see, it's with all of this in mind that we don't minimize what God is calling wives to do, to, to submit to their husband's authority as the head of their marriage and, and, and the head of their home. And here, here's where connecting Scripture with Scripture is so important. You see, Jesus Christ did this. Look, look, at, look, at, look, at, look at how Paul expands on this in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, how it's all connected to Christ. He said, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And just so there's no misunderstanding, everything is everything, of course, we're not talking about anything that's immoral or, or evil or destructive. You don't submit to your husband if he wants to lead you down that path. But understanding that, there's no way to make this say anything less than what it's saying. It's saying wives are to submit themselves to their husbands in the same way that the church submits to Christ. Okay? Let me get a <clears throat> drink here. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> Beck and I have been talking about this. And... Um, you know, how it is that she submitted to me, to my leadership in our marriage. I, I, I just wanted to listen to Becky about this a little bit. So I asked her, you know, how do you, how do you think you've done this? And, and, and she said, well, you know, <clears throat> Steve, there's some significant times and, and significant dis, uh, decisions that you've made where I've done this, where I've submitted to you. And, and even understanding that, when I make that statement or Becky made that, that, that doesn't mean that whenever we made a big decision or a little decision or whatever, it doesn't mean that we didn't have a lot of conversation. You just better believe me, better believe me when I say the longer I was married, the more I listened to the learned to listen to the wisdom of my wife. So we're not talking about where I just make all the decisions and she's got nothing, no input. But Becky said this, and she's so right. More than any one of those times or those decisions, those big ones or little ones, is the respect that Becky showed me in the daily stuff of life. 
what she said to me and how she said it, the, the tone of her voice being, being consistently positive and supportive of me. You see, there was, there was none of this rolling of the eyes kind of stuff. No sarcasm with my wife. She's never sarcastic with me. Never, never did I, I can tell you honestly, everybody, there was never a time she criticized me to, to, my chil to our children. There was never a time she criticized me to anybody. Becky was never negative about me. And you know what? You know what? Becky could be as ticked off as me, at me as anybody could possibly be, and rightfully so. And you know what? You would never know it. You would never know it. She did not go around talking about me. That's a big part of what it means to submit to your husband. And oh yeah, there were those big times. I, I think of, uh, and some of you have heard me tell the story about, you know, I made that very not, well, dumb decision to step out of ministry, and I took the whole family to Texas, and, and I mean, just uh, did this whole thing, and, and within months realized that I would made the dumbest decision in my life. And you know what? Becky never once said to me, well, how could you make such a stupid decision? Oh, she didn't. You know what she did for me? She gave me the confidence that I could get back on track. In fact, you know what she did? Be before we left Texas, she, she found this rock in our yard, and, and we've still got it all these years later. And she said, why don't we take this rock home as a reminder of God's faithfulness to us? And then, you know, us coming here to Omaha, you know, I had just made a big risky decision going to Texas. Dumb decision. It would have been the easiest thing for Becky to have said, man, let's play it really safe when we go to the next church, you know, and to, to absolutely insist that we go to an established church rather than do what I feel God wanted us to do, to come and, and start a church from scratch with just a handful of people. Here, here's the key reason this is so valuable. Wives, if you live this way in your relationship with your husband, you're going to provide your children one of life's most valuable lessons. You'll, you'll model for them what it means to respect and submit to authority and to do this in a healthy and in the right way. And I'm not talking about being some kind of a pushover. I don't know if you know my wife or not. She's not a pushover. She can scare the ever-loving dickens out of me, all right? She, can, she is a strong person, and I want her to be that way. I don't want her to, for one minute to let me get by with a bunch of junk. Okay? So wives, how are you doing with submission? Are you doing it with joy? Are you doing it with enthusiasm? Are you doing it with gratitude for the privilege of living like Christ lived? Okay, guys. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I gotta tell you, that is a, 
that is as opposite as opposite can be from the prevailing attitude and actions of husbands back in that day, how husbands treated their wives. I mean, husbands back then were the very, very, very opposite. They, they didn't, they didn't, most of them didn't love their wives. Their, their wives were like property to them. And man, it was totally, it was expected that a guy would be harsh with his wife if he wanted to be harsh. Huh? So it was a very radical thing that Paul was saying. But he said it. Let me, let me put it in context today, okay? Boy, did I misuse my voice. <clears throat> well, what we're talking about today is a guy powering up. A guy powering up and becoming a bully. You know what I'm talking about, right? If not a physical bully, an emotional bully, a guy using intimidation with his wife. And to any one of us who would do this with our wives, you know what Paul's saying to us? He's saying, this has got nothing to do with being like Jesus Christ, so just stop it. It's not being a man, it's being a coward. Once again, it's helpful to connect scripture. If we, if we as husbands ever wonder, well, how far should I go with, with loving my wife and being a servant to my wife? Well, the answer is found in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes this, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. My goodness, if, if I ever start wondering to myself, how much should I love Becky? How, how far should I go with serving my wife? All I have to do is open up Ephesians chapter 5 and realize I should go as far as Jesus Christ went for each one of us. What did he do? He died for us. Died for us. Um, <laughs> see, this is what it means to be the head of our wives, guys. This is what it means. This is the responsibility that we've been given to, to serve our wives and to care for them. So, so if you want to use the word domination, domination is a real man's kind of a word, right? I mean, you dominate in sports. You know what? You know what we're to do as men? We're to dominate in our marriage by, by serving our wives. Not any other way. It's domination by serving. It's domination by caring for our wives. It's domination by, by being gracious and kind and forgiving. I mean, all of those things that Paul writes about in Colossians chapter 3. And we should do it because Jesus Christ did it for us. And we should do it because it's the man thing to do. It's, it's truly a man thing to do. You know what, friends? I can't imagine... I cannot imagine a better plan for marriage than, the, than what we find in, in these two verses in Colossians and what Paul wrote in Ephesians. It's a total win for everybody. It's a total win for wives. It's a total win for husbands. It's a total win for our children. And you know why? Because it makes it possible for our children to grow up understanding this is how Jesus loves us. This is how God loves me. And it, it makes it possible for them to understand this is how I should respond to the love of God.
So dads, you and I ought to be able to say to our children, if we're doing it right, you and I ought to be able to say to our children, if you ever, if you ever wonder how much God loves you, look at how I treat your mother. Can you say that, guys? And wives, you know, you should be able to say to your children, if you ever wonder how, how we should respond to the love of God, if you ever wonder how much we should love God in return, look at the way I respond to your father. Look at how I love your father. Can you say that, wives, mothers? See, it's a total win. It's a total win for wives. It's a, it's a total win for husbands. It's a total win for children. It's a total win for everybody. Because if you and I live our marriages the way God chose us to live our marriages, everybody around us can understand the love of God that much better, how much God loves us and, and how we're to love God in return. And so you know what? I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Dick Hess was right when he said this. And I'm convinced that this, is, this equation, man, it's, it's the right equation. It really works. Jesus Christ and trust. Trusting God. Trusting God's word. Building trust in our marriage. Men, we do that. And what it leads to is a marriage that is absolutely, we're maxing it out. Maxing it out. And so you, you're hearing me say this this morning and you're going, Wow, you know, yeah, but how are we going to do that? How am I, I going to be the kind of husband I should be in? And how am I going to be the kind of wife I should be? And you know what? I can tell you this. It's not in our strength. It's not in my strength. It's in the power of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's all the truth that we've been learning in, in the book of Colossians, that Jesus Christ is absolutely sufficient for everything. And we do, not, we do not do this in our strength. We can't do it in our strength. But we can do it in the power of Jesus Christ. And so Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 2. He said, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, and strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. And so you know what this means in practical terms? It means at the very least, every single day, we begin our day by saying, God, give me the strength. Give me the power, Lord. I want to depend on you today to love my wife the way I should love her. Submit to my husband the way I should submit to him. You see, it's got to be a continuous day-by-day -day thing that we do of trusting in God and drawing from God's strength. Let's stand together in prayer and, and Chris is going to come and lead us in worship. <clears throat> Father, I've been thinking about this all week and I've come here this morning and I know that we're all at different places in this wonderful thing of marriage. And Father, I know that some of us have come here today and we just go, wow, I'm just so thankful for everything God's made possible. 
I know, Father, that there are others of us who have come here today, and, and if, if we're honest, they would say, you know what, my marriage is it's not bad, but it's not great. And Father, I know there's others who've come here today and they're in a really, really, really hard marriage. And God, there's just a lot of suffering going on and a lot of disappointment, a lot of hurt. And Father, I know there are those here today who come with a marriage that's broken, maybe they're divorced. Father, I pray this morning for, for each person, for all of us, God, wherever we're at in our marriages. God, I pray for, for your strength, and I, I ask God for your wisdom, and I ask God for your healing for those who need healing. I ask for strength to ask forgiveness. I ask for strength to forgive. And Father, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to just put within every single one of us this God-given determination to trust you, and to trust your word, and do what's right. And I pray this, God, for your glory. In Christ's name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's worship together.